0: Hi, I'm Elizabeth Gilmore, and you're listening to Steady State Podcast. Get ready.
1: Hey, I'm Tara Morgan. I live on Vashon Island, Washington, founded Seize the Oar Foundation in 2013, am fanatic about coaching, learn to row, and I believe the pair is the best boat.
2: And I'm Rachel Friedman, a longtime rower, coach, and coxswain in Washington, D.C. I'm also the owner of Row Source, the founder of the Alliance of Women Rowing Coaches, and I'm a tiny bit squeamish about sculling.
1: Here at Steady State Podcast, we're really interested in backstories, real life experiences on and off the water that make people the rowers, coaches, and coxswains they are today. From indoor rowing to flatwater masters to coastal and ocean adventurers, we celebrate you who represent the global humanity of our sport. Together, we disrupt and expand the narrative about rowing culture. We're your hosts, Tara Morgan
2: and Rachel Friedman. If you're a first time listener, welcome. If you're coming back for another episode, thanks for being here.
1: Steady State podcast is sponsored in part by our patrons and Concept2 and EB5 investors.
2: So Tara, this weekend is US Rowing Indoor National Championships. We have been talking about this for a couple of months. Because you and I have connections not only to US rowing and indoor rowing, but also two of the three host satellite event organizers. Right. So, one of those host organizers is ERG Sprints, which is based here in Alexandria, Virginia. It has been around since the 1980s. And I'm really excited because it's big this year. There are like 1,500 registrants.
1: And uh, one of those registrants is today's guest. Elizabeth Gilmore, who from all the social media accounts that I've seen, I've never seen her in person, but from everything I've seen on uh, her socials, she's a beast, which, of course, we know is the highest compliment for a person in rowing is to be called a beast.
2: A beast. And she just kind of appeared on the scene. And I've been thinking about this. So I go to Erg Sprints every year in some Way, shape, or form, either as a rower, a coach, a coxswain, a vendor, or whatever. So I've been around Erg sprints a bunch for many, many years. And I've noticed somebody who's successful gets picked up by like Row2K and an article is written about them. Mm-hmm. And Elizabeth Gilmore was one of those people last year. And the reason she really stuck in my mind at that time is because she is not a flat water rower or she wasn't at the time. She was an athlete who started indoor rowing, showed up at Erg Sprint and won two events.
1: Yeah, and now she's been setting world records and she has also become a flatwater rower with Capital, which she tells us a lot about her experience of learning to row and of being part of a competitive team that set the course record at the Charles in 2023. So no small feat. So it sounds like Elizabeth is someone who is someone our listeners can relate to in terms of being motivated, in terms of really diving into the sport full bore, and just really making a place for yourself, whether you're a champion or not, whether you're just like your everyday rower or not. um, It's just something that happens, I think, to people who find rowing. They dive in, they get taken up by something. Someone is like, hey, come over here and do this thing. Um, Be in this boat, be in this team, be in this club. And it sounds like she's really taken to it. So I'm excited to hear about her journey and about why she's so dang fast. And just a heads up Elizabeth has asthma
2: and it had been bothering her for a few days leading up to our recording. So, day of recording, she was keeping it pretty low key. So, just a heads up, she's done a lot of amazing things, but the conversation is Chill.
1: Yeah, so come chill out with us and meet Elizabeth Gilmore, indoor rowing champion.
0: My name is Elizabeth Gilmore. I learned to erg in my garage in 2021 and then I started rowing on the water with Capital Rowing Club this past year in 2023. Today I'm training with Cam Bucken's EM squad and I am a member of the Small People Union Indoor Rowing Club. When I'm not doing rowing related things, I am working and spending time with my family.
1: What
2: is
0: the Small People Rowing Club? It is, um, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the Cross Team Challenge, but it is one of the clubs that participates in the Cross Team Challenge as well as other indoor things. And I mean, we have some rowers in there. We have some indoor rowers. We have some High Rocks competitors.
1: So we want to know on a scale of one to 10, how was your past rowing week?
0: Scale of 1 to 10, I would say probably about a 7. I got some really good training in, which I'm excited about. My ASP is not too great at the moment. And we did not get on the water this weekend with the weather. So some ups and some downs. I've been a little bit disappointed
2: that the coaches kind of dangled off-season rowing in front of our bases. And then it hasn't really worked out because of the weather.
0: Yeah, um, it's been really nice when we do get on the water, and just um, the reinforcement of skills I really need right now. I don't have enough training under my belt where everything is fairly automatic, so I'm looking forward to keeping on the water as much as we can this season. Um, okay,
2: to help our listeners get to know our guests, we put you through a lightning round of questions we call the hot seat. Are you ready? I'm ready.
1: Indoor or flat water rowing?
0: Uh flat water
2: rowing. Barefoot. Or shoes on the erg. Absolutely shoes.
1: Do you watch calories, watts, or splits?
0: Splits. Port or starboard? Port. Sweep or skull? Sweep. I would like to learn how to skull at some point. Bow seat, stroke seat, or engine room? Engine room.
1: Head race or sprint race?
0: That one's hard. Um,
1: I think head race. A unisuit or tank and trow? Unisuit. Favorite coxswain command to give or receive.
0: I fall um, apart oh, right after the finish line half the time, and our coxswain says, "Elizabeth, act like you've done this before." <laughs> oh. <laughs> awesome. Favorite place to row. Uh, I uh, rowing on the Charles was amazing last fall. Well, and you had a pretty
2: fantastic first row down the Charles. Can you tell we us about it?
0: Well, the first first row was like major traffic jam, which uh, I'd heard it was kind of a circus there. And I don't think I quite processed how crazy it was, but our race went really well. The weather, it was pretty blustery. It started to rain halfway through, but we just had a fantastic race and just, uh, we set a course record, which was really exciting for master's women. Yeah, yeah. Second year in a row to
2: to create a new course record. So congrats for being in that lineup. That was awesome to see. Well, yeah. Thank
1: you. I just remember thinking, shoot, great train coming through. This really okay. satisfying. <laughs> awesome. Uh, okay. Uh, best piece of training advice you've ever received?
0: I think just love the process instead of like, instead of working towards a goal, just put in the work consistently and enjoy the process for what it is. And most important question,
2: coffee before or after a row?
0: All of the above.
2: <laughs> now, I'm curious, did you, do you ever drink coffee
0: during a row? That sounds kind of nauseating. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I'm not (laughs) surprised.
2: Yeah, I've had a handful of teammates that bring coffee in the boat, and I'm not a coffee drinker, so it wafts back into my nostrils. Oh, the smell. No,
1: I wouldn't want the smell. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, but I wouldn't want that.
0: Yeah, I drink it on the way, and then I drink it after. But during, I just, I don't know. I can't imagine So one thing we're always
1: interested in is how people grew up with athletics. And so can you take us back to when sports entered your life?
0: Um, I've always been athletic, both with organized sports and spending a lot of time outdoors, like uh, rec basketball, rec softball. Um, I ran track and cross country in high school and in college as well. So there wasn't really a time when that was not a part of my life.
2: Was that self-motivated or did you have family that kind of helped you along the way or or pushed you into sports and got you interested?
0: Well my mom is in her high school hall of fame for participation <laughs> in multiple sports. She, so she's also been very athletic, but she didn't really push anything on me. And then my dad really had a love of the outdoors and hiking and camping and things like that. And so that was helpful as well. So yeah. yeah. They were supportive but not pushing, which was a really nice balance. Mm-hmm. When
1: when I've spoken to, I've taught a lot of learn to row to adult masters women. And I think a lot of the factors of why people were in sports when they were little was family culture. And so they decided they wanted to start rowing when they were 50 years old. I know for myself and Rachel, we've both been uh, in sports since we were able to you know <laughs> yeah
2: yeah in my, in my case i had two older brothers that you know they were throwing balls around so i wanted to hang out with them um and that's how i got
1: into things i was very lucky i would say that the greatest gift my father ever gave me was the ability to throw a ball well and he taught me that when i was five years old and it opened up my world
0: Aww. Yeah. I'm not very good at throwing things. I try, but I we, we had a running joke with us trekking cross country that the people who landed there were in shape, but just had no coordination or ability to throw, or you know.
2: But we do hear from a lot of folks who learned to row um li- a little bit later in life, or um later even in their you know grade school years, is that they tried other things, they tried the ball sports, and it just didn't work for them. And then they a lot of people mm-hmm. had to, like given up on sports, and um, then rowing came along, and they realized it was something that they could. Be successful at and really
1: enjoy. So what was happening in your life when you found indoor rowing?
0: I bought a con- concept to ERG just for some cross training options. My primary thing I was training for at that time was uh, just running. And um, I was running, I was lifting. There are days it's just like too daring. it's so slippery outside with the snow where I know a lot of people do you. run in that, but I just wanted another option where I could stay inside and get some work in. And I also tend to develop overuse injuries with high running mileage. So I bought an erg, and then I got a stress fracture in my tibia with running. And in the recovery of that, I started spending a lot of time on the indoor bike and then kind of arms back rowing. And then I was cleared to start actually rowing much before I was cleared to run.
1: Yeah, I could see how that would give you that cardio endurance high that you might get from running and there's a lot of pluses and to that into the low impact aspect of it full body all that
0: there really are and it's been doing much better for my body than running has um i do keep developing overuse injuries with running and fortunately that hasn't happened yet with rowing and um it just, i just i think the low impact nature of it just is working much better for me I don't feel like it's the most intuitive move. Like, we don't really grow up doing that the way that we grew up running around or thing. You chose
2: to start indoor rowing as a way of rehabbing from an injury that a lot of people, even when they make that decision, they don't love the erg. So I'm kind of curious, looking back, maybe at the handful of first, first times you got on the erg, what did, you, what did you think about it? Was it love at first row? Was
0: it wasn't really. It was more of a means to the end of staying fit until I was um, able to start running again. The bike trainer I had at that time, did, it was very bare bones, like no real adjustments on the difficulty, no watt meter, or anything like that. And th- I liked having more data coming out of the ERG and I was able to push myself a little bit more with that. So that was fun. But my intent was to go back to running as soon as the doctor cleared me. And, um, My sports med guy that I was working with was used to working with military people who needed to get back to active duty. And he's a marathoner himself. So he was very much like, we're going to get you back up and running as quickly as we can. And then I just started, the more I did it, the more I liked it. And I started entering some online competitions and doing some more organized training on the erg and both of those it was just really satisfying watching my progress over time just seeing that incremental improvement and starting to get the knack a little bit more for technique it it off
1: right because didn't you just set reset a half marathon record
0: that was an age group half marathon record yeah earlier in january i hadn't really kind of put all the dates together until just now but thinking
2: about it if you got into indoor rowing in 2021 that's mm-hmm. exactly when I would say indoor rowing hit it big time because every, it was COVID. Everybody mm-hmm. was going, people weren't rowing on the water. And all of a sudden, there are all these online workouts that clubs are putting together, that organizations are offering. And regattas started offering online virtual versions of the regattas. That stuff really didn't happen before COVID. So you, you came into it at like just mm-hmm. the right time.
0: And the funny thing, I bought the ERG at a time when the Craigslist market was more expensive than the buying it from Concept2 market because the demand was so high. Yeah. So I just put my name on the Concept2 waitlist and waited like two months and then they sent me an ERG. And I think there were a lot of opportunities there that it sounds like there weren't there earlier. So it was a really nice time to get into it. I mean, some of the competitions I did early on, I think have gone back to just strictly in person and it wouldn't have been an option for me, but it was just very low barrier to entry and just kind of a, hey, let's just see what's out there type of thing.
1: And it's also a great opportunity that seems to have created an indoor rowing community, like a global community around it and people sharing ideas and people trying different Mm -hmm. techniques and methods. And from the flat water perspective, There's always been the indoor rowers over there. And now when it came time that we had to all basically use the indoor rower, we realized that Mm -hmm. we're, we're both growing and becoming part of a larger rowing community. So steady state, we consider all the forms of rowing, you know, whether it's indoor, flat water, coastal, ocean, like we kind of put everything together now. But that wouldn't have been the case five years ago at all.
2: You know, we actually remember having discussions like our indoor rowers actual rowers? And we debated it. And now we're firmly in, in the school of thought that like, if you row, you row, no matter what the discipline is, like Tara said. You started using the ERG for rehabilitation and started doing some online racing. And then eventually I know that you, you went to ERG sprints and got to race in person. Can you tell us a little bit about what that progression
0: was like for you? Yeah, 2022, um, I competed virtually in the Scottish Indoor Championships and, and Crash Bees and World Rowing. And then there were just some various online ones where, you know, just I, I got used to that kind of technology. But then I was really, really nervous going into Erg Sprints last year because of all of the like, you know, where am I going to warm up? How is that set up? What is... Um, You know, just trying to figure out food for the day. Like There were just so many variables beyond what I have at home. But at that point, I had qualified for the World Rowing Indoor Championships, which was also in person. And it just seemed like that was a great opportunity in my backyard to try to um, get a little bit of experience doing it in person so that traveling up to Mississauga felt a little bit more comfortable. I had some knowledge I could draw on. I was like trying to get back to, you know, okay, if I'm in a multi-event track meet, like, how do I warm up for that? How do I fuel for that? Like, what do I do around that? But a lot of that, I just, it was a bit of a new experience for me and was trying to put all of that together.
2: And I would think also just walking into an environment where there are hundreds of ergs out on a gym floor and you're not just you alone in your garage.
0: It was a little intimidating. There were a ton of people there and, you know, all of the, the vendors. And I don't think I quite realized um, the extent that some of these rowing competitions are when you get to them. Were there any surprises for you during, I, I think you rode two
2: events last year, right, at Sprints, Yeah.
0: I feel um, I got confused about the time for the athlete meeting versus the warm-up. And actually, uh, one of my now teammates and I actually, I think we were both in the bathroom and we were supposed to be with the officials and we came in late. And I mean, it was, uh I had to skip over part of our warm-up. I mean, it, there was some good experience for me coming into that and just really realizing kind of both chain of events. And then, you know, you need to be adequately warmed up before the race officials meet with you and take you onto the floor and just kind of a sequence of what that looks like. I remember
2: my first time racing at Erg Sprints, the gym felt very dry. Like I remember oh. my lips being stuck to my teeth. I felt like this is not what it feels like when I'm at my gym or at the boathouse on an Erg.
0: I was choking on my own spit for like the last third of the 30 minute piece that I started off doing and it it was horrible. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a major factor. It's just the the climate of the gym because often they'll bring in these giant fans and then Uh you've got kids barfing in trash cans. (laughs) So when people think about sticking with the ERG, now this, would you consider the ERG your primary sport now? because it eclipsed running?
0: Um, I did end up getting on the water this last year with Capital hey. Rowing Club. And that's um, primarily what I'm training for during most of the year. Like right now, we're kind of in an off-season. at um training for Erg sprints, and um, world rowing into championships again.
1: So tell me, what is it you love about uh, being in a team boat environment?
0: It's really... Satisfying working together towards a goal, and then just kind of everyone going through that shared experience of like, you know, just working really hard, but seeing that payoff. And then also just having to work together in a way where, you know, I can just rate however I feel like reading on the ERG, but I kind of have to follow what Stroke Seed is doing in a boat and then I'm gonna, like match the timing of everybody else with the different parts of the stroke and just really seeing it come together as one crew is really satisfying
1: when it compares to solo sports that you've primarily done running and indoor rowing then it, i know for me that's what i love about you just t- said exactly what i love about it team rowing is what i call mm-hmm. rowing in the eight. yeah so the,
2: elizabeth i'm very, i've been curious ever since i kind of first heard about you and your success at Erg Sprints, and then that you joined Capital. And not only did you join Capital Rowing, but like went right to a competitive women's program. How mm-hmm. did that work? Did you, how did you learn to row? Did you just hop in a boat because Coach Kennedy was like, your Erg times are amazing. We want you in a boat. Did you learn on the fly with the comp women?
0: I did. Um The year before, the first whole year I was rowing on the Erg, I Took a learn to row sculling class with at Sandy Run sculling. And there was just a lot going on in my personal life that year. And it was not the year I get on the water and which was fine. Like sometimes it's just like that. And then Libby um, from Capital Rowing reached out to me and she had come to um, the competitive women's team from a swimming and erging background. And usually they would have people go through the whole learn to row program and, you know, develop that and then eventually go to the comp team. And they took a chance on her and she did amazingly well with that. And she talked to Coach Kennedy and um, he said, just come and try out and we'll just kind of see how I do. So. The f- the first week was the tryouts were probably pretty rough, just kind of looking back. Like, I had just zero clue what I was doing. Yeah. Um, I knew basic sequencing from the art, but like all of the blade work was just, it was a lot for me. But I also knew, like, I- I'm willing to work really hard towards things. And I didn't know if a Learn to Row program would quite be um, the kind of really th- that intensity with learning it that I really wanted. And Gennady said, I could join the team and it would be like just drinking from a fire hose. But if mm-hmm. I would kind of keep working, keep doing that and doing my best, um, we could see where that landed. Well, so, it's, it's worked yeah. out.
1: Yeah.
0: It's been amazingly helpful. Just I think that environment where I'm with people who know what they're doing. One of the other women on the team also coaches evening sweep and he would often put her um. Right behind me. So she could also just be like in my ear, like, Hey, you're doing this, you're not doing that. So, like, sit up more, or just whatever. And just having her helping me out and having a Cox's feedback and coach from the launch and just all of that real time feedback, I think really helped me get up to speed much more quickly than another approach would have.
2: So, I know you had a pretty solid, that's probably an understatement, but a pretty darn solid spring and fall season with Capital on the water. I also had the lucky chance to row with you in the Chicago River Half Marathon, and I thought that was a fantastic row. We were we sh- we should have taken first, but that's a whole other conversation. But what was that like for you, getting in a good endurance row?
0: That was a lot. That was just an amazing row. I mean, just even outside of what our team was doing, like that course going through all of the buildings and having people like cheering from the shores, I, it was just amazing, and it kind of flew by for me I don't know what it felt like for you but it's like I've done a marathon I've been a half marathon before like I know how long that is and everything other than my hands it just went a lot better and faster than I thought Right, my, my hands were really torn up at the end of that session.
2: yeah, yeah. Okay, give it a couple more years and you just yeah. develop really gnarly you know calluses um, yeah, I feel the same way about that row. I thought it was really smooth. I really felt like mm-hmm. we got to a groove. And when we mm-hmm. finished and we pulled up the duck, I literally said to Lauren and two seen in front of me, I was like, can we just keep rowing? Like, I've, I wanted to do it again. <laughs> oh, <so> God. Yeah. <laughs> Steady Safe podcast is sponsored in part by Breakwater Realty Group. Daydreaming of new lakes, rivers, and coastlines to row and play on. Consider a home in Maine. The Breakwater Realty Group, brokered by eXp Realty, can help you find your home away from home or relocate to a new primary home with ease. Connect with a team by visiting breakwaterrealtygroup.com and scheduling an obligation-free buying consultation. Maine
1: its the way life should be. Teens are aware of stranger danger from a young age, but most of them have never thought about misconduct from known adults. Using safe sport training as a springboard, coach and longtime rower Libby Pagosian leads in-depth discussions with her junior rowers about team policies and the concepts of consent, power imbalance, and coercion. She's helping create a culture where everyone is enlisted in the effort to keep their rowing community safe. If you missed it or any of our episodes, listen at studystatenetwork.com/podcast or on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, would you leave us a review? When you do, it helps our podcast get noticed and reach more ears. In two, we're back with Elizabeth Gilmore. That's
2: one, two. So both Tara and I are really interested in endurance rowing, and we've got some plans this year to do our own endurance row. But Mm -hmm. you've got a really big endurance row that you are training for. Can you tell us a little bit about it?
0: Yes, I'm going to be rowing across the North Atlantic Ocean this summer. So we're leaving June 1st from Boston, and we are going to row until we hit London. So um, it's going to be a pretty long row, Um, two hours on, two hours off most of the time. We're talking about some longer shifts at night so we can get some more REM sleep. But um, I'm expecting about 12 hours of rowing a day.
2: That's pretty solid. How did this come about for you?
0: I knew somebody who was planning on doing it. And I talked with him and talked with um, the guys in the boat and gave it a lot of thought. The idea sounded really intriguing to me. And I was just kind of assuming Jeff, uh, my husband would be like, that's insane. Like, no, um, we do have fairly young children and that's a lot of time away. And I... Told him um, there's something I just can't stop thinking about, and I know what the answer is. But can I just tell you? And he listened to it. He said that sounds just absolutely amazing. And if you have the opportunity to, you should take it.
1: We were wondering about your husband because uh, there are so many rowing widows in the world, you know, who don't row, who don't mm-hmm. want to row, or just you know, mm-hmm. cheering you on from the sidelines. It sounds like he's just been supportive of of the whole effort of Capital and Indoor and. With four kids, especially, that's a team effort, you know. It really
2: is. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about
0: your 100K effort that you put in. Was that in December? It was in December. A couple of friends and I had been talking about doing it for probably about nine months. And we were trying to figure out a time when the three of us could get together and it wasn't going to interfere with anything with capital because I did not think Kennedy would appreciate that. and. Finally, we were actually going to do it in November, and then the firstle qualifications, we just wanted to make sure we were adequately we weren't really sure what that was going to do to our bodies and if we would be in a situation to redo qualification pieces if needed afterwards. So we put it off for another month and finally we were able to get everyone together in December and tackle it, which was um, really fun doing it with. Them. I'm glad we were able to make it work.
1: Did you all do it in the same room or did you do it virtually?
0: We did it virtually. I'm in Virginia and Cameron Worms in uh, British Columbia. And then Andy Tomlinson is in New Zealand. So we had a lot of coordination with time zones. And I think Andy ended up getting up at like four in the morning to try to make things work for all of us.
1: Sure.
0: And we had um, ERG zone going so we could all see each other's splits and kind of where we were. And we knew like when somebody ticked over the next um, 5K mark, and then we had a Zoom meeting going so we could just talk to each other the whole time. Did you
2: ever kind of hit a wall and say, what am I doing? Or were you able to say, I know what my splits are. I know that I have a goal
0: and just kept pushing through. I was able to keep pushing through. It wasn't my first 100K, which kind of both helped in hurt. I mean, I knew what I was getting into, which also I knew what I was getting into. So It was pretty intimidating that, but. I knew what my splits needed to be. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm just going to maintain them until I can't anymore. And so, I
2: think that on. that loops back to something you said really early on, which was the, just the philosophy of being in the moment and maybe not worrying about, okay, I'm already thinking about being at 99,000, just be in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: What kind of stroke were you guys doing for that event? Were you intervaling? Were you pacing at all?
0: My plan was just hold like a 205, 206, no breaks, um, just keep going. And I started kind of getting cute with rate pyramids for a while. And around 30K, I was like, I cannot maintain sp- the lower rates are just out. So I think I was holding like a rate 24 or so.
1: That's reasonable. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. When yeah. you're
1: doing your long rows on the erg by yourself, are you well, listening to anything? Or do you have a playlist that you love or a podcast? Or are you just going with white noise?
0: I listen to stuff and it just depends on how I'm feeling for the day. Sometimes it's podcasts, sometimes it's audiobooks, sometimes it's just music. Um, I kind of have an audiobook, so I'm trying to figure out the next one. You should listen to Lessons in lessons Chemistry. In chemistry. <laughs>
1: that's a, that's a good one.
0: It really is. I read it. I um, Somebody sent me a hardback of it for my birthday. So oh, yeah. I read it. Um, I know that there's also a series out now, but I have not seen that.
1: Yeah, I watched the series. And you know, it's a glossy version, much like Boys in the Boat, you know, glossy version of the book. But um, yeah. I feel like the book really relates rowing more mm-hmm. closely, like the metaphor of rowing, the actual benefits of rowing. And it does appear in the series, which is really fun to see a really vintage, you know, wooden skull and and all of that. And in fact, um, Rachel and I are going to be interviewing Bonnie Garmus
2: in oh wow late March. No, it's in April.
1: Oh yeah, she's the first uh, weekend in April. We're going to talk to her, but we're actually going to have a Lessons in Chemistry book club meeting the day before. So we're all going to talk about the book, and people can have ask questions of Bonnie Garmus. And she's a rower from Seattle, so cool. she lives in London now. Yeah
0: love that. Yeah.
1: So what's next for you? I know you're, you've got some events coming up. And what's your training schedule looking like and some goals for
0: 2024? Yeah. Um, my next big thing is our experience is in a couple of weeks here. It's pretty rapidly approaching. And right now I'm signed up for a 2K and still trying to figure out if I want to tack anything on to that later in the day. A couple of weeks after that, I'm going to be competing in Versa at Worlds. And then I think really just um, getting back on the water with Capital. I'm going to be doing spring training with them, but I'm not actually going to make it to the sprint season because I will be on the Atlantic Ocean. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, all right. That's right. no excuse.
1: Uh, <laughs> I think that'll affect uh, whether you can do fall head racing season.
0: I'm expecting going to need recovery afterwards. It's, um, uh, a little bit. Um,
1: yeah.
0: I'm. Wanting to race this fall, one thing I'm very well aware of is we spend so much time on the boat trying to tweak just the littlest things with our, you know, with technique and how we're approaching the catch or things like that. And rowing across the ocean, I think there's going to be a lot that just kind of falls apart with that. Like, I, I think there's going to be a lot of rebuilding that I'll need to do coming back off of that.
1: Yeah. When we interviewed um, ocean rowers, they said that that's absolutely the case. You have to let go of that perfect technique. You have to really like, okay, we're just the with this arm today. Like, okay, like, woo! like, oh, we're going oh, I'm totally with that oh, one, with <laughs> it, like, you know, catching air. But what might be interesting is to see how you kind of land back into flat water and be like, oh, it calm.
2: <laughs> it's going to make up. a 1K sprint race like a piece of cake. <laughs> yeah.
1: So do you have any goals or records you want to beat this year at Erg Sprints and Worlds?
0: Um, I get a little superstitious about enough uh, keeping of ahead of time. It's okay. I do want to set a um, 2K PB. So, right now mine is at 645.3, and I would like to beat that at our Getting a little nervous with my lungs right now, but there's plenty of time to get them in better shape before our rolls around. And then, oh, sorry, you have asthma. I just wanted to clarify for our listeners yeah. so you have asthma. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you- mine. I'm pretty exacerbated at the moment. So, I'm just trying to get that better controlled um, before we get into racing. And then Versa, we don't know yet what the events are going to be. And that's kind of a fun thing going into that. It's going to be five different events over two days. Um, And I think what they've said is this year, the first four events will determine placement in the last event. And then the last event is for overall placement in Versa. But right now, we don't know what anything is. So... Yeah, I mean, I'm just generally training and figuring that whatever I do, that's just general training should be able to carry over into what they throw at us during Versa, but that's a big unknown, which is kind of fun. Like going into a 2K, you know exactly the pain that you're facing, but this is kind of a wild card at the moment.
2: For folks who may not know, I'm pretty sure the uh, World Growing Versa Challenge, that happened for the, just the first time in 2023, right? right that was the first year
0: there's a lot of people going and i'm really looking forward to seeing um everybody yeah there is this um you know there's the water rowing world and then there's the indoor rowing world and to some extent like there is not as much overlap as i might expect between the two but it's it's really fun having both and having the opportunities to go meet people Yeah, I can imagine what that community is like, because, you know, with for
2: us as on water rowers and flat water rowers, like the two biggies that are really exciting are Masters Nationals and Head of the Charles. Those are like summer camps, you know, and fall camps where, you know, if you've been around long enough, you're going to see your buddies from all across the country who you never get to see. Otherwise, it's a ton of fun.
0: It is. I think it's kind of what we're like, there's people who I regularly talk to online and I haven't actually met or, you know, it's been a year since I've seen them. And it's, I'm really looking forward to getting to meet everybody. Uh, My coach, Cameron Buckin, I have never met him in person. And um, that's going to be a lot of fun getting to actually spend some time with him there as well.
1: I think we're, we're going to wrap up, but I wanted to ask uh, one of my favorite questions. And I think it'll be really great to ask you uh, with your Experience in the sport is could you mm-hmm. describe the perfect stroke?
0: Oh gosh, I don't know. we just
1: love people's reactions <laughs> to the question. That's half the fun, is people are like, What? I'll,
0: I'll let you know when I figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great answer.
1: That's a great answer. Yeah, we get such a variety of answers to that. People are like, Doesn't exist, you know, like, I've never I've had, had it, one. or they yeah. get really poetic about it and they're like, Well, wow, it's like
0: flying, you know, it's like. Oh, <laughs> I, I don't remember when it was and it was in the last year when we got off the water and everyone was like, Oh, when it's about the sound of the bubbles. And I was like, I don't know. You didn't hear I'll him, huh? <laughs> One day I will figure out what you're talking about and then it'll yeah. be something like, as it seems yeah. to me about The
1: thing is, is you'll know it when I uh
0: uh-huh. and
1: you'll go, Oh.
2: It I happened it. to me, yeah. It happened to me once this season. I was like,
1: the bubble. It was <laughs> yeah, super tingling. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. you you find out when it happens and then it becomes a lifelong striving to get back to that yeah, moment, yeah. you know in and, and a fun way not in a struggle way but because there's <laughs> so many factors
0: anyway are you down for- to um yeah Rachel? yeah I mean, somebody said it's easier to hear and bow and I was like oh, well, I'm not saying that just to make me feel better about not the bus. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I mean, I don't
2: hear them often. The water has to be just right and the boat has to be just <laughs> right. But yeah, I always row seat. So that's a good question. I'm going to have to look into that, like the physics of it. Yeah. Okay, well, I wanted to thank you so much for taking some time today to talk with us. This episode is going to drop actually on February 3rd on Erg Sprints. Oh, wow. I'm really excited to make that connection. I'm going to be there in a couple of different capacities, but I will look for you and I'll be cheering from you from out in the hallway at Erg's Rents.
0: <laughs> well, thank you. I look forward yeah, yeah. to seeing Good you. luck. Yeah, thanks. See you. Bye. Bye-bye.
1: To see photos of Elizabeth and get links to the people, clubs, and events mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes on our website. Thanks to our patron, whose support helps make this podcast possible.
2: Join our team for as little as five dollars a month at slash
1: Patreon. And thanks to our newest Patreon, Tara Stawicki, Go team!
0: Hey.
1: <laughs> Steady State Podcast is sponsored in part by Rosource, providing creative design services for clubs, organizations, and verganas. Get the design help you need at RoseSource.com.
2: Hey, Tara, I think some listeners might not know that Steady State is more than a podcast.
1: Right. We should definitely tell them about Friday mornings when we get together for Coffee Chat. We talk about rowing, racing, and technique, and deep dive into things like inclusion and leadership.
2: We hope you'll join us Friday mornings at 8 a.m. West, 11 East, live on Instagram. Grab your favorite mug and be a part of the conversation.
1: And sometimes we all need buddies to help us get through long workouts on the ERG. So we lead Steady State Sundays once a month at 6.45 a.m. West, 9.45 a.m. East. Join us on the third Sunday of the month until March.
2: When you sign up for this free 60-minute virtual ERG workout, we provide cues and insights to keep you motivated along the way. Register at SteadyStateNetwork.com slash SteadyStateSunday.
1: This episode was written, produced, hosted, and edited by me, Tara Morgan.
2: And me, Rachel Friedman. Tara provides additional audio engineering and is our sponsor coordinator.
1: Rachel manages our website, social media, and e newsletter. Our theme music is by Jonas Hipper. Between us, we have nearly 40 years of rowing, coaching, and coxing experience. Find us on
2: Instagram and Facebook at Steady State Network, Seize the Oar, and Row Source. On the next episode, we launch a multi part series on heart attacks emergency preparedness, and response. We'll talk with Willamette Rowing Club couple David Setter and Sarah Copeland about learning to row later in life and surviving a heart attack while cross-training. They come to terms with erg splits going up as we get older and learning to enjoy rowing for the sake of rowing. We've also tapped Tom Rooks, U.S. Rowing's Director of Safeguarding, for top tips that coaches, rowers, and teammates can all use when there's an emergency on the water or around the boathouse. Catch new episodes of Steady State Podcast every other weekend, anywhere you get podcasts.
1: In two, way enough. That's one,
0: two...
2: A good take. Good take. (laughs) That was a good take. (laughs) I'm
1: gonna stop recording.